Yeah, hey, what's up, guys? We're back for another week here on Jacked of All Trades with David and Sam. Uh, been a little bit of a crazy past couple months in the markets, obviously, as I'm sure everybody's aware. So we just wanted to take this episode to kind of go through some longer term stuff. I had some stuff that I was looking at the other day. I kind of sent over to David and uh, everybody in our group chat and stuff. And I just kind of want to go into a bit more detail here. So, David, I'm curious to hear what your thoughts are on this because obviously my my expertise in economics is very very minimal but <laughs> i pretty much i'm like i'm a technical guy i'm like like technical analysis is like my thing like i'm 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 really good at that and that's just basically how i how i get most of my uh my information but you know you'd be surprised how accurate it can be all, all different time frames so i kind of wanted to run through this here um sam if you wouldn't mind just pulling on my screen here we can kind of take a look at the uh the chart and um so this is uh, this is the S and P 500 here. Um, this is on monthly candles over basically the last um, this smaller. Yeah, there we go. So this is the S and P over you know the last hundred years or whatever it is. Um, but I just kind of boxed off a couple of things. There's a few things I found interesting here because I was I'm trying to look like one thing I've learned in my my trading that obviously we talk about on the podcast and everything is that you know. Like you want to start at the biggest time frame possible and then work your way down from there. So like whenever you're, whenever I'm I'm looking at planning a trade, I'll look at, you know, the weekly or the daily time. Like even if I'm planning on trading on the one minute chart, I'll look at the daily time frame and then I'll go down to the four hour and then the one hour and then, you know, the 30 minute and then the 15 minute. I kind of work my way all the way down until I until between all those, I can just see a really clear picture of exactly what I'm expecting to happen. Um, so that's kind of what I was doing here in this case as well. Like, you know, if you look at, uh, I'll just go down to the daily chart here just so you can kind of see like obviously if you just look at the daily chart I mean it looks pretty scary right like you know we have we have the COVID dip back here and then you know kind of been going up and up and up and now we're starting to kind of bounce down you know like rolling downhill basically and everybody's scared because they're thinking oh you know COVID highs are not that far away and then what if that breaks and you know we go way lower and this and that well I mean I always just like to zoom out so that's what I did here I went to the one month chart um and something I noticed that's kind of interesting here that I boxed off. So these these kind of oddly convenient time frames <laughs> over these different periods. So I'll start back here. And what, what basically what I noticed, like when I was just looking at this, is I looked at it and I was like, okay, well, you know, when were the last couple times that we sort of saw something similar to what we're seeing now? And the first thing I noticed was this in here, like in the 80s. So if we look at what we have now, um, this blue line is the 200 month. Um, or sorry, the 50 month moving average. Um, so we had this, you know, we had the COVID dip here that was pretty dramatic and then it bounced over and now we're kind of starting to roll over again. So I'm like kind of looking back on the chart, looking back, I'm like, when did this happen before? Like, that's all I'm looking for. Like, when, what can I compare this to historically? So it wasn't this, you know, it wasn't the 2008, it wasn't 2000. Um, these are all way more dramatic. You know, it wasn't this because it's not really in the middle of a long run up. So I just keep going back, going back. And then I see this here and I'm like, okay, well, that looks pretty similar. You know, it's, it's had kind of this steady uptrend and it had this big sharp drop over, what was that? You know, a, a month basically, like one or two months. And then it kind of went back up, went up to new highs. And then we had another smaller drop, both of which kind of hit this 50 month uh, line. And, you know, that's kind of what we see here again. When we had the COVID drop, it was two months. So same as the other time. And then we had this, you know, uptrend. It obviously has gone much higher at this point. But now we're kind of starting to see this thing roll over again. So the first thing I'm thinking is, okay, this is probably going to hit the 50 month. Um, keep in mind, like I'm not telling anybody to buy anything or short anything or do anything like that. So don't uh, don't make trades just based off this, because again, this is all just technical analysis. I'm not looking at you know anything else economically or whatever. Um, but uh, so that was the first thing I found pretty interesting. And then I kind of tried to I kind of tried to combine that with other things that, that sort of matched up to it. So the next thing I looked at was like, okay, well, the, the last time we basically, like to me, this is sideways, right? Like this is, you know, people call this a bear market. If we zoom in here, you know, it's a bear market and then it's a bull market and then it's a bear market and then it's a bull market. Like to me, this is just, you know, a period of basically 11 years, you know, what, September 2000 to, um, well, 20, 08. 08 yeah, 08. 2013. So yeah, about 30, 30, 30. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, so 13 years, right? 13 years until you recover. So it's basically sideways for 13 years, like in my mind, right? That's that's what I see when I see this is, is just sideways action. Um, and then again, I just did the exact same thing. I'm like, okay, well, when was the last time that we had basically just sideways action? Like, did this happen previously? And so I just keep going back. And then I see this period from, you know, 68 until 81, which is, you know, 12, 13 years of basically sideways action again, right? Like we broke out here in, I guess, 1980. So yeah, like 12, 12 years roughly of sideways action. And then even inside of these, when I look, like when they started, okay, the first drop, you know, we bottomed here. Second drop, we bottomed a little bit lower and then it came back up and then the trend kind of reversed again. Same thing here in 2000, 2008, we had the first drop, came back up, second drop a little lower and then we reversed trend and started going up. So I'm looking at this, I'm like, okay, well, you know, we have, we have this period, which is basically about, you know, 12, 13 years. We have this period, which is basically 12, 13 years. So we had something happen through the, basically through all the seventies and then through all the, all, all, all the early two thousands, that was essentially the same on the chart. And then we had this period here, you know, through 87 to 90, 91, about a three year period, roughly where we had those big, you know, we had the big drop and then it came up new highs secondary drop and then we kind of just continued on our slow grind upwards again and then we have over here which is what we're experiencing right now which is again you know the big drop and then you know grind up and then now we're just in the midst of that secondary drop and we're we're now you know two and a half years roughly from this first drop and the last time that this sort of setup happened was over here and it was three years until we went to new highs from that first drop and then the other thing I thought was kind of cool is the time frame between this big block in the in the 70s where we went sideways to the start of this next drop was uh, right about seven years. And then we had the three years where we went, you know, where we did this double drop kind of thing, whatever you want to call it. And then we had another, um, what is this, 91 to 2000. So another, well, yeah, 91 to like say around 2000. So another about nine years or so nine, 10 years of uptrend after that. So we had, you know, thir 12, 13 years of sideways. We had seven years up, three years of a bit of chop, and then another, say, 10 years up. And then we had, you know, 12, 13 years of sideways. We had seven years up from 2013 to, two th to 2020, seven years up. And then now we're going sideways again, assuming roughly for another three years. And then in my mind, we're going to see, you know, this, this whole move in here is going to happen next. We're going to have another nine, 10 years of upward trend. And that's just basically what I'm seeing off of purely technical analysis. And then obviously as I'm doing more research and I'm finding other things, like I'm no economic expert by any means. I'm sure anybody that is would be able to rip apart everything I'm saying. But um, the last time we had really high inflation, like we're experiencing right now was in the mid eighties, was around this period where we had this major chop. Um, and then I think before that, David, you were saying it was in the 60s or the, the late 60s? Yeah. You were kind the, of something similar? Yeah, the time of the highest inflation was the late 60s, early 70s. There's like an energy crisis and a bunch of things. Um, so uh, in terms of numbers, we're comparable to that time. But 80s okay. did have high inflation. It, that peak in the 80s you're pointing to, that's the 87 crash, right? Yeah. Yeah, that was, that was Black Monday. Yeah. That that, yeah. So we're so we're dealing with we're dealing with similar amounts of inflation in the 80s that we did now and then obviously back here in the 60s as well and you know we have these the all these patterns are like basically from 1968 until 2000 so far has repeated from 2000 to 2022 like so far we're basically doing almost the exact same thing as in terms of a chart pattern um, so to me, that's very interesting because I look at that and I think, okay, well, I mean, there's no reason for me to not think this is going to follow that same pattern. So that's basically what I'm expecting at this point. And then the other thing that's kind of cool is I know we've talked about it on this podcast before the book, uh, the fourth turning, um, anybody that hasn't read that should read that. Cause it's creepy how accurate those guys are. They just do research back like 500 years or whatever on, um, it's, it's not like so much specifically market driven, but it's more so about, uh, like generational stuff. So it talks about like these 80, 100 year cycles of different generations of people. So like the, you know, the 20, 30 year group of people that grow up in like a war zone um, that are, you know, children during that time, 
And there's the people that are adults during that time, the people that are seniors during that time, and just how all those age groups kind of rotate through that 100-year period and sort of what that produces. And in that book, based on their research, they were thinking early 20, like they, they predict, the book was written in the 90s. They predicted 2020 almost to a T, like 15 years before it happened or whatever, 20 years before it happened, which is unbelievable. And 2008. Because they talked about, I think it was what, they said like 2006 or 2007, they thought there was going to be some major economic collapse. And we had the 2008, like it's just a really weird book. You guys should read it. But um, in that book, they're, they're expecting 2030 to be basically the next major economic collapse, which again would line up perfectly with, you know, if we have say 2023, which would be our three-year period here, same as we had in the, in the late 80s, that would be our new highs where we just you know, cruise up for another eight or nine years, then as that the research in that book says, early 2030 is when we should see another, you know, something like this again, where we're probably going to go sideways for another, you know, 12 or 13 years. And um, even like Ray Dalio, if you guys have read his, uh, what's, what's his book called again, David? I can't remember. The Principles or... No, I, I have Principles. That was like about, about management. It was something about something about empires, the rise and fall of empires or something like that. Yeah, yeah, something like that. But he's... He's got a great book um, on uh, on basically his views because he did a bunch of research oh, in the last 500 changing years. Changing World Order. Changing World Order. Yeah, that's it. So that's a really good read. I think he's got a YouTube video out now, actually. You should watch it, David, if you haven't already. It's really cool. It's like a one, it's like a 45 minute thing. Have you yeah. seen that yet? I've yeah. seen it online. Um, I haven't watched it yet. Yeah, it's really, if, if anybody that doesn't have the time to read the book, watch that video. It's like a little 45 minute video. and. It's got like it's got little animations in there, but it, it basically just summarizes the book in short what his thoughts are. Um, but really quick summary: basically, he goes over like the Dutch Empire, the British Empire, the American Empire, and now the Chinese Empire that's up and coming. And he goes through their cycles of like how education and growth, and then how they collapse, why they collapse, um, all the different factors that lead to that, how they overlap, what are the indicators to look for over the last five hundred years. And um, I was listening to an interview with him recently, and he was just basically getting interviewed, you know, what are your thoughts now based on COVID, based on this inflation, based on everything that's going on in the world, in the US, uh, the war, all that kind of stuff. And his thoughts were basically in the next, you know, probably close to 2030 is what he was saying is that he's thinking, um, you know, Ray Dalio is thinking that we're going to have this big economic, um, he didn't say collapse, I don't believe, but like a big event of some sorts, like some sort of a major friction between countries, not internal friction like we have right now. Um, and that could potentially, um, you know, depending how the U.S. handles it, because they're cur the current superpower, if the country keeps um, staying as divided as it is and polarized, people, you know, people are just at each other's throats now. Like if you don't believe in the same political views, you can't be friends anymore, like stupid stuff like that. That's everybody's narrative these days. Like everybody's like, oh, you know, if you don't think the same thing as me, then you know, we can't be friends. You're the worst person in the world. Like, it's just, it's ridiculous. Like, it's it's stupid. But if if the world, you know, specifically the United States, just because they are the world superpower right now, if they keep thinking like that and going down that path, then they're going to lose their, their status. They're going to lose their world currency status. Um, likely, you know, not not too, too long from now. Like, it could, it could start really happening as early as, you know, basically 10 years from now. Um, if it keeps unraveling the way that it does and they keep having all this economic divide and leads to civil war and all this other stuff. Um, and China, on the other hand, they're the ones that are kind of in the upswing. So they're growing economically. Um, as far as military power goes, they're basically on par with the U.S. now. Um, so all the, all these factors are kind of lining up for them. But the U.S., the, the only major benefit that the U.S. has currently is that they still are basically economically, they're still the world superpower like they because they still have the, they're still the, the the reserve currency for the world so everybody wants to do business with them everybody wants to trade in their dollar um and they just have a lot of economic power that's why you know when they're putting sanctions on russia and things like that um that has a lot of impact uh where they don't have to put in a military presence they can use their economic power so that's where they kind of still sit ahead militarily they're basically at par with uh, other parts of the world at this point so they've kind of lost that leg ahead and obviously if all these divides keep going within the country uh again to ray's point he's thinking likely somewhere around that 2030 range is when that major um that major economic tension or whatever whatever it's going to be is going to start happening so back to what we're talking about here on the chart 
you know, that, that time frame for different reasons, again, kind of lines up to what we're looking at here with this, you know, what I'm thinking should be another, you know, say seven, eight, nine, ten 10 years of basically like what we saw here in the nineties, like it's just a nice, slow, comfortable cruise up. So that's, that's kind of like, I basically, what I did here is I looked at the chart, like, like I just kind of walked through and then I was just reading other articles. I saw the articles about inflation, which just happened to match up with these. Um, I listened to Ray Dalio's interview, which kind of just happened to line up with my 2030 target. Uh, the fourth turning, I already knew that book was talking about 2030. So there's a lot of different factors that are lining up. So for me personally, um, I mean, I'm just buying. I'm just continuing to buy. Like, I'm not scared that the world's ending. I'm not scared. I'm not trying to find the bottom. You know, the bottom could have been this week. I mean, if we zoom in, we had, you know, we had a pretty, pretty solid week this week. If we zoom in here. Look at, I mean, look at the weekly close candle. I just saw that. Yeah, like that, is a, that is a thick, that's a thick candle right there. <laughs> so it like, engulfed the previous two, three candles. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, like it closed above uh, the monthly, yeah. like from the day, from the month before, right? So, like, I, I don't think it's gonna fully. Rever- I mean, me, per- I'm such a technical guy. Like, when I look at this, I see like I see what like forty three, forty four, kind of like I see this line right here, like this. Yeah. You know what? Given yeah. enough time, and Mike, because I think it wants to at least aim for the fifty, and it's yeah. it might converge. It might converge around your line. About halfway yeah, that might, yeah, that might actually kind of line up. So that's that's the line that I see. Like just just again from pure like I'm a technical trader. That's what I do. Um, I just see this line. You know, if these two wicks, they both topped right on that line. Just I literally just drew that right now, just from a glance. And then this is our bottom over here. And then we have these two big green candles that wick through it and rejected, wick through it and rejected. And then when we did finally close below it, we didn't close below this previous candle, so it wasn't a new low. And then when we when we reversed, we reversed, you know, we reversed fat, we reversed really thick again, like we just had now. So it took a lot of steady upward pressure to make that happen through that line. So, you know, that's that's five or six things just in a snapshot that I can see that tells me 43 is the level. So if we I, I think I think we'll probably reject off. I mean, my personal opinion is I think we're still gonna sell off into the fall. I think we're gonna go lower. Um, I think we're gonna probably come down to like you know, maybe even as low as 34. I don't know. I could be like, we could already be turning around. I have no idea. Um, nobody does. If they tell you that they know, then they're lying to you. <laughs> but I mean, the way that I see this is, is this is going to be the next real test. If we get through that, we base on top of that, then I would be very confident in saying that we're going to go to rise. But that's, in my mind, that's the level that I'd be looking at. If what, you what drew you a line from the, the peak, um, a diagonal line from the peak in that, uh, across to that second peak, does it line up to around fall? Like this? Yeah. And then like does it converge to to, the, to that your horizontal line? Does that run fall? Yeah, it's September. <laughs> Mid September. Yeah, was, that's what I was thinking. It's September, October is probably when we're gonna bottom. They're all heading even the fifty, it looks like it's trajectories around there. Yeah. Well, because so, I know like the, the Fed was saying they were they were considering or thinking or whatever the terminology was of pausing rates in the fall, right? That was what they said. So you know what? That makes so much sense now. It looks like the charts looks like it's setting up for like sideways movement all throughout summer. And then that makes sense with the Fed side, right? The market's not going to do anything unless the Fed gives any kind of indication of direction. So yeah, it, well, it's you funny at, how the charts know that before, you know, beforehand. Man, technical analysis is the best, dude. Like it's, yeah. it's people don't give it enough credit. Like anytime I hear someone who's like a long term, like I get it. I mean, you know, if you're Warren Buffett and like you're just, you're looking at fundamentals and you're buying something, you're like, I'm not selling this for 50 years. Sure. You know, technicals really don't matter at that point. Like even today, I mean, if you're buying something today and you're not planning on selling it until 2076, I mean, who cares? Just buy the stock and forget about it. Right. But I mean, even like, it's like, I was just, you know, we just went through the start of this podcast, even over like, you know, an 80 year time frame, you can still see those patterns just playing out so nicely. And there's so many economic factors that go into this. There's so many different factors everywhere in the world, in the economy and technology and humans. And it's like the chart still works over all that time period. And that's because charts are based on human nature. Charts are based on human emotion. Human emotion never, ever changes. No matter how advanced we get, no matter how smart we get, no matter how much technology we have, no matter how many toys we have, human nature doesn't change. People are still greedy. People are still idiots. People are still smart. People still make mistakes. People still get scared. 
all that stuff exists no matter how advanced we get. And that is visible on technical analysis. That's why I think it's so important. Yeah, I, I 100% agree. I think people who like poo-poo TA are like, the people that have tried and couldn't get it and they're just frustrated well you know if i can't get it and i'm a smart guy then it must be bullshit kind of thing or yeah. just or just somebody just doesn't get it but it's like i can understand how it could be easily looked at as like going to a casino because it seems random but it's not no right. once you once you just stare at it long enough things you just start to notice things like every day every day i look at the charts and i'm like huh i just kind of see like these these new little things that i'm like i think i've seen that before and then you kind of like and then you kind of key in onto it and then you start seeing it more and more and more. It's like kind of like when you like buy a new car and like, you know, you buy like a, an F-150, like a pickup truck or something like that. And you've never seen them on the road. All of a sudden you buy one, you see them everywhere. Mm. It's the same kind of thing, right? Like you don't really notice anything. But then when you see these things, you're like, huh. And then you start seeing them everywhere and you're like, wow, that like, works, you know, 90% of the time or whatever. Yeah, that's actually happened to me. Like my one of my ex-girlfriends did that to me. Like she, she told me she kept seeing the number 11 everywhere. And I was like, what? And then for like a month, I just saw that fucking number everywhere. Oh, really? Yeah, it annoyed the shit out of me. I'm like, son of a bitch, she got me. Oh, fuck, I didn't even see this on the daily. This, this is a good reversal. This is, a, this is a, like on the stocks that I play, this is a really good signal for me to get out if I was short. Is this. I love this. When you double get this bottom? big, no, a lower double bottom, you get the big drop, and then it goes down, you go to a new low, and then you come right back. Oh, did it That's, go to a new low? I can't see from here. Yeah, yeah, it's just because the volume's over. But yeah, it went down to here, 38. Okay. And then the low before was 38.60. That's interesting. That's a huude reversal signal. For anybody that's watching, that's a big tip. If you see, it's got to it's kind of roll over like this too. Well, we have it right here too. Look at this. So it comes down, bottoms here, comes back up. You know, get this. This one's a little bit longer. You get the rollover, goes to a lower low, and then big green candle return rejects quickly and then look the whole trend changes back up again right until it gets into the next resistance level which is up here around 46 so that's kind of the same thing that we're seeing here you know it's selling off selling off selling off and then once it once it rolls over like once it arcs over and goes to a new low and that new low quickly reclaims then you're you're likely like from my from my experience you're likely going to break two resistance levels so you'll usually get through, like we got through this one, the next one is this one. So it'll probably stop at the second one. Cause basically like, this is something that I watch for when I'm, when I'm short selling. So let's say if I was, you know, just for sake of this argument, if I was getting short up here and then say I added some here, for example, and then, you know, it came down, I covered a little bit, you know, it popped up, I came down, covered some more down here, for example. And then once I saw this, once I saw this low down here, um, like I would leave it because obviously sometimes this can bounce and just continue going lower. But if it does fully reverse like that, uh, for me personally, I'm not just going to chase this into strength because usually what I would do is I'd, I'd hit the very next top all the way down. So like in this case, you know, if I shorted here and we sold down and then we kind of bounced up here into this, this yellow 43 line came down again, I'd try and sh I'd short back into this 43 line. So I'd reshort here and then start covering back down again and then up here, like I'd reshort here into this bottom, right into that previous level again, cover back down. So I'm, I'm always going to the one that was just before, like the most recent support or resistance level. But as soon as I see that new low that reclaims, I wouldn't try and reshort here on this 40, you know, this 40, 80 top, for example. I would look to reshort up here at 43. And then I would cover at the next level down, which is 41. And I'd be done with the trade. Because a lot of the times, once you break two previous um, resistance or support lines, you can still get one more. You can still get one more play on that. But most of the time, when it hits that next support, it's gonna. It can very easily turn around and keep going back up. I just realized something. Can you zoom out a bit? I'm not sure if it's fully played. Uh, kind of is. It almost looks like it was forming a. Uh an ascending triangle or something like a both like pattern and then if you just move your horizontal yeah. line a little bit lower and then it looks like so it failed the breakout and then it just went crashed right through support and it got rejected and it got rejected right away like a few days later and then and that's when it really crashed like kind of like this or no sorry it was like a triangle so like you, you're still a horizontal line but it was just a little bit lower from where oh. you had it oh yeah, yeah it's yeah. a little bit lower from there yeah 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 and but, but like lower. <laughs> or but lower towards um I want to say 
you know that that giant green wick uh okay. was that much yeah and then it's kind of broke but now we've reclaimed right we reclaimed yeah. yeah that's what i was thinking that's why i was thinking it's interesting like how to read it depending on how to read it yeah well that, that would make sense too then because like i was just saying like you were probably going to get to this top of 43 come back down to this level yeah. so that wouldn't surprise me like if we because we broke below this and then you know this is just a short trap right so we broke below this line which if you are a short and this is you know whatever stock you want to call it you chase you know a lot of guys would chase this down short and then you know once it bounces up and starts selling again they're chasing 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 we get a new low everybody chases even more and as soon as that new low bounces back up that's when this happens you get this you get this squeeze right this big short squeeze up here and we've we've gone right back over this level so that's that's you know you just pointed out another reason why i think we'll probably get to here and we'll probably base back on this 41 level like I, I really wouldn't be surprised if we just kind of if we just bounced off this for a while and then like we were just saying breakthrough in you know september october it's it's amazing how technical this chart is like um because where we we did the failed breakout that's like almost a third of the way in that's usually where you have your highest chance of a breakout if you don't break out by then it's not gonna happen remember it was like that the idiot time baggers he was um he drew like was it bitcoin or something gonna you break down from a triangle or something like that and like it wouldn't break down at that point it was like at the end of the triangle it wasn't even a right triangle it was just oh, like, yeah. it was... i'm sorry oh, yeah, I was just yeah. Saying. <laughs> yeah 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 so it's like it wasn't even a right triangle it's just like it's just coming out at the tip i'm like if it doesn't do it at the by a third of the way it's not going to do it no everything so, always comes in threes like if it's going to break through to the upside it's usually the third time and I just noticed another thing that's interesting. It's not not a big deal, but uh, like where you said there was um, a double bottom, and it, but the second one, the most recent one, was lower than the first one. Yeah. So so that would like be um, lower price action. But if you look at the RSI, it's diverging. So the RSI actually trended higher, had a higher high. Oh yeah, yeah it did. So there you got go. a divergence. So yeah. that's a good, that's one of the indicators I like looking at divergences. Yeah. There you go. So the price went down lower, but the RSI did not. So that's an indicator of momentum change. So funny, like that's why I love doing these podcasts, is because like you and I have all these different, like we have such different indicators and such different. Like I didn't even notice that. Like I have the RSI on my chart, I never even look at this stupid thing, yeah. and like I just look at this and I say, you know, as soon as I see that, I'm like, I, I would like, I'd be, I'd be looking to make my exit if I was short, and then you can look at the RSI and it's telling you the exact same thing. So yeah, yeah, you are literally having a conversation with you is literally like my my confirmation. Like if I, yeah. if I'm like. <laughs> we use different methods and we always get the same results right it's perfect that's, what, that's when you know it's like yeah it's so funny yeah man like like now that we've started talking about this honestly I, I really wouldn't surprise me to see this just channel like fairly tightly and not do much until like the fall but but again like i mean we could if, if we look at the big big picture which usually holds more weight like it still wouldn't surprise me to see this touch this 50 line here but it could be a lot later on right like i mean we could be you know, it could even be as late as like, I don't know, December or like, you know, January of next year when we're up at 38 again, like when we're at our previous lows, like who knows, right? Yeah. On this chart, it looks like this is a weekly or the monthly. This is monthly. Monthly. Yeah. On this one, it looks like it wants to go there. Yeah. It looks like it wants to go there. Like it looks like it wants to go lower. Cause like right now that would line up basically with the COVID top, right? Yeah. Like 34 that lines up right with the top, right with the top here. So if we kind of keep trending down and this keeps trending up, we'll probably get somewhere around this top, like, you know, maybe 36 or something like that would be where we base and then finally start reversing back up. But like on the monthly chart, this is just indecision, right? Like that's not, that's not a reversal candle. That's not a stuff candle. That's just people don't know what the hell way they want this thing to go. That's what that yeah. means. <laughs> yeah, it's, just, it's a spinning top, like from uh, inception, like it's nothing. Yeah. Yeah. It does. It's just meaningless. Basically it's, you know what's funny though? You were the you're the first person because I've heard a lot of people try to figure out what time time frame we're we're most analogous to right now. You're you're the first person I've heard that said um that brought up the 87. Like a, a, almost right. everybody gravitates towards the 69 70s uh, inflation just because that number was so high. It's comparable mm. to now. And then guys like Ray was more like the 45 era because they're like this the because they look at the pandemic as almost a war. It came as a shock. Everything shut down. There was huge um, in in the in the war. They had huge jobs programs um, because they had to you know take take refurbish factories or re redirect factories into making tanks and whatever, right? So money printing, money printing. So industry changed. Yeah. So it was all government run programs. So it's a very similar um, economically uh, to the forty five era. 
So then now they're like saying it's like the post 45 era when, well, you know, you printed a shit ton of money and you just went through this whole thing where the world stopped for like a few years. Right. So, so they were yeah. saying that 45 is somewhat comparable, but you're the first that said 87 to 91. And that's really interesting to me because, um, 87 was very acute. Like it, it happened and nobody kind of understood why, like we kind of knew COVID was coming, but nobody knew what it would do to the market. Like nobody. Right. Yeah. Um, um, so it came as a shock, like, like that drop looked exactly like what you were pointing to. And the thing is that what, what followed next was what I was talking about is recession. Cause what we followed next was the nineties recession, which was pretty brutal from what I, from what my parents told me. Like right, so where, that, what year for, what time frame was that? Was that here? Like in it was like so, yeah, so it was the 87 crash, it recovered and in like 91 to like 92, 93 was, was the recession. Yeah, that was basically like from, from pretty much 89 to like, I mean, around 92, 93, pretty much just went like sideways. It didn't really go up much at all. Yeah, it was a brutal time. It was a brutal time. Yeah, I was talking to my dad about that the other day too, like, because I was just asking about like, he's obviously, you know, he's obviously run his business for yeah. like, he's retired now for 40 something years. And I was just asking about the recession and stuff like that. And he's just, he was just telling me how scary it is. He's like, you know, you, you go, cause he ran his own business. He's like, you go into work every single day. And he's like, you don't even know if you're going to have an order. And he got, you know, dozens of employees. And like, you're just, you're just sitting there just stressing, like praying that someone gives you an order so you can keep all these guys employed and keep their families tables. Like, he's like, it's, not fun <laughs> i think it's a really really not a fun time to be a business owner i don't understand how the media with a straight face can tell people for months now the economy is strong or it's overheated and all that stuff with a straight face i remember back in like right after christmas i said i've already seen the preliminary numbers christmas sales was dog shit and and yeah. all these retailers overstocked expecting christmas to be kind of a recovery now they're sitting there with extra stock and people can't afford to buy it because gas prices, uh, energy prices are so high. Like, with a we straight face, the media saying that. We were talking about this in, like, 2020, talking about how it's just going to fuck everything a couple of years down the road. Like, it's not going to be right now, but it's going to, like, something's yeah. going to happen a few years down the line, right? And that's kind of what we're yeah. in now. But I don't think it's going to be that long-lived because, like, I just, I just don't see it lasting a very long time. Um, but I think the reason – well, there's two reasons, I think – why everybody's panicking right now because like i've had a lot of my friends reach out to me and they're like you know dude i'm down so much money and this and that like what do i do what do i do and like you got to realize like right now we're in a time where basically you know everything's very technological right now like people have been on social media since before covid so like people knew about the markets a little bit before then but covid was such a major factor in creating panic for people because we had everybody in the world sitting at home doing nothing getting paid for doing nothing. What are they going to do? They're either going to go online and play poker with all this free money, or they're going to start throwing their money at the stock market thinking it's a casino and they're going to win a million dollars. So all these people start throwing their money in the markets. And then you have all these people because, you know, social media is so big. You have Twitter and Instagram. Everyone's like, oh, I, you know, I took my Serb check or whatever, you know, 1500 bucks and I turned it into $50,000 overnight trading options. And then we saw, what was it? In 2020, options volume was up like, a hundred like something absurd like massive massive surge in options volume because it's you know highest reward but it's also highest risk you, you know you make 600 percent a day or you can lose everything in two seconds kind of thing right i don't know anything about options but you know me and options don't have a very good relationship after i lost 200 you know, like, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> but you know we had all that happening and then so now what's happening is you have this kind of extended period where people that were you know just gamblers at the start threw all their money in during the crash and then they made tons of money on these huge explosions on all these stocks like you know like whatever it is tesla you know zoom netflix like all these tech stocks shopify like everything just exploded right so like man this is great let's just keep the spacs running. the ones that are worth nothing like oh, yeah like all that shit so like you have all these people making so much money amc like all that crap and they keep putting their money in and they're thinking it's just gonna it's never gonna stop because these people are all new but they're new investors, they're young, and they're all over social media and they're loud, right? That's what you have. You have all those combinations. And then all the people that are just sitting at home who are kind of like a little bit more skeptical, maybe, they're seeing all this for like a period of a year. They're seeing all these idiots making all this money. And then finally they start going, okay, well, here, let's get into this because obviously this is the place to be. They start throwing all their money in all through last year, you know, so it's just going, going, going. And then all of a sudden, uh-oh, like, 
we're all of a sudden not making money. Like I made money last year. Now I'm losing money. What do you mean I'm losing money? Like now I'm red. I was up, I was up 200% and now I'm red on all my position. So everybody starts panicking. Everybody's all over the Instagram and Twitter and social media. And like, and it's, you look at, you know, you look at this, look at this, look at this. Well, (laughs) overall, like, like what, I can't even see that. I can't even see the dip. I'm not scared. Like, are you scared? I'm not worried. Like, do I think this is going to just plummet all the way back to $100 like it was in the 60s? No. <laughs> not a chance. How far are we from the peak right, right today? Uh, the peak was 48, and now we're down at 41. Uh, so what what's the, like, 16%, 18%, like, less than 20%. What is that? 700. Like 15%? 15%. So yeah. 1987, Black Friday or Black Monday, the, the stock market dropped 22% in one day. One day. That, you, you could shit your pants. No one's going to Fuck. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, it's it's just, man, like, I've had to talk so many so many of my friends off the ledge, and, like, I've, I've convinced, I've convinced, not, like, not like, you know, not like they're like, oh, my <laughs> life's over. And they're just like, like, why am I losing money? And I was like, man. The first thing I asked them, I said, when were you planning on using this money? When you, when you bought this stock, what was your plan? When were you going to plan on using this? And then, you know, I get different answers like, oh, you know, 2025, 2030, like retirement. All of them were, you know, many years down the road. So the next thing I said is, okay, then what, what are you worried about? They're like, they kind of like, you know, soften up a little bit. It's like, well, I mean, you know, I'm just, I'm just down so much money. And I'm like, okay, but you know, what company do you own? And they say, you know, oh, I, I own the S&P or I own, you know, Amazon or I own Microsoft or, you know, Coca-Cola or like whatever it is, you know, some like good established company. And it's like, okay, well, guess what? All those companies are very profitable. And guess what else? All those companies, balance sheets, revenues, all that stuff probably hasn't really changed much, if at all, in the past few years. So again, Companies are there. And the other thing you have to remember, this company exists. It's not just a number on a screen. Like this is a real business. It's a building. There's CEOs. There's people that work there. There's people that have their livelihoods there. There's people that have their pensions there. People set their alarm every morning and they go to this business that you're investing in because they want it to succeed. So it's not, it's not just numbers on a screen. Like this is a real business. You bought this stock. You bought a piece of this business expecting it to grow for the next 10 or 20 years to sell it at, you know, to buy a home or to retire or whatever your plan is, then why are you worried? Like I'm looking at this and I'm loving every second of this because yeah, I'm down a ton of money, but guess what? I'm also buying a shitload more of all the companies I love at, you know, 30, 40% discounts. I mean, when does that happen? You go to the grocery store. If I saw a, a sale on steak 40% off, I'd buy the whole damn rack and I'd throw it in my freezer. Like, well, it's like, hey, like the, the people that were like at the highs, like Tesla was like 1200. It's like, God, I wish it was cheaper. Well, it's cheaper right now. It's cheaper. Buy it. Sell <laughs> it. Right? It's like, what happened? What happened to that enthusiasm? Yeah. Because it's scary, right? Like, it's, it's scary to buy it up when it's high like that. It's no different than shorting, right? Like, like, I make all my money shorting and I short when things are ripping to the moon because that's why I know I'm going to make the most money, but it's scary. I mean, the thing's just rocketing straight up. I mean, you want to jump in front of that thing short? No. You want to jump in front of this thing long when it's tanking? I don't know. I will. <laughs> yeah. You and me, like we're opposite strategies, but we do essentially the same thing, which is we stare at a mop when we go come at us. <laughs> yeah. It's the best way to make money. Like assuming you're doing it smart, right? You know, you're not just buying randomly but it makes sense though it's like you can only get like the nice margins if is if everybody's is mistaken if everybody agrees and there's very low price volatility it's it's, it's when there's disagreement or when you disagree that the largest gap is going to show up yeah and like there's so there's so much data and so many studies that have proven time and time again if you try and time the market like individual stocks are a little bit different yes but if you're looking at something like this like the s p you're trying to time the market and say, okay, like right now, for example, like I'm going to, I'm going to hold, I'm just going to save money for the next, you know, 
six, seven months, and then it'll probably keep coming down and I'll just buy everything at once when it, once it hits the 50 month moving average. We might already be on the way back up. I don't know, right? Like we might already be turning around. So if you wait, all of a sudden you lose out, you know, if we're 15% off the highs, you got to go 30% to get back up there, right? So you might, it might go back to the highs. You just missed out on a 30% move because you were trying to wait for lower. But all this data and all this research over the past, you know, 50, 60, 70 years tells us that no matter what the individual day is, if you buy, you know, a dollar every single day of the year, or if you buy $2 every other day, or you put $100 a week in, like, no matter how you break it down, as long as you're buying on a regular basis, that will always 100% of the time result in more profits in the long run than trying to wait and get in on a specific dip or get in at a specific time. Every time you'll make more money just buying in slowly and consistently. Yeah, the, the, there's a famous um, uh, research study done by Fidelity. They, they did it on their, their account holders. And so they looked through the, um, the, the rough account holdings of, of their clients and they went to see like what type of strategy, you know, what type of construction, be it stocks, bonds, whatever, uh, did the best over time. <laughs> <laughs> and, the, and, the, and the result was, so they did find like one type of an account stuck out more than most. And it was the account of dead, um, the, where the account holders were dead. So basically they didn't touch it for like, <laughs> however many years. And yeah. the dead ones performed the best because yeah. they didn't touch their shit. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> like you, you can't get, you can't put more emphasis on what you just said with that, with that, you know. Awesome. I love that. But it's hard, man, right? Like it's hard if you don't know what you're like. Not even if you don't know what you're doing, like put it this way, right? You own a stock. Let's just say, okay, here, let's look at, uh, let's look at um, NVIDIA because that's one of my holdings, right? So let's just look at this on the daily, right? Let's give us a small time frame or smaller. So look at this, okay? If you, let's just say for argument's sake, you bought this, um, when is this? Yeah, let's just say for argument's sake here, you bought it, uh, you bought it in, you know, beginning of 2021, right? So we've had the we've had the COVID crash. Stock comes up, it's going along. You're going sideways. You start sizing into this thing, and you know your average is let's just say your average is 130 bucks a share for argument's sake. Okay, well this thing goes up and up and up and up and up, and now it's like oh my god, I'm up you know 200% on this thing, and then all of a sudden it comes down and down and down and down, and now you're that was me. You know you're back, that was back me. My, my my average is oh, like yeah. 288 Canadian, so it was like 160 US or something like that. It was I bought it from that today. Yeah, I'm up yeah, 4% exactly. today. <laughs> yeah, so, but like, so, but you know what you're doing, right? And you have the emotional fortitude to hold through this stuff because you know what the company's outlook is. So, so my point is basically for any new guy who doesn't really know what they're doing or they don't have the confidence in the markets, you're going to hold this thing all the way up. You're going to be up 200%. You know, you have 100 grand in the bank. You're thinking, wow, this is the greatest thing ever. All of a sudden it's selling off. But, you know, it happens slow, right? Like, I mean, you know, you see this, right? You just see it ticking along and ticking along. And, you know, it's just like, okay, well, there's a little bit of a dip and now it's bouncing oh, a little bit of a dip lower. Like you, you don't really see this stuff in real time, right? So now it comes all the way back down. And let's just say now you've gone from being up a hundred grand, you know, six months ago, and now you're only up, you know, 3000 bucks or something stupid like that. Well, you're going to be like, fuck, like you're going to be pissed, right? So as soon as this thing bounces up, you know, you're going to be sitting there finger on the trigger, like watching it, watching it. And if it goes a little bit red, you're just going to sell it and be like, okay, screw it. I'm out. Like, you know, I made some money. Good, whatever. And then you're going to look at this thing, you know, five years down the road and it's going to be at, you know, who knows, $600 a share. And you're just going to go, oh, fuck. Why didn't I hold on to that thing? Right. So that's, that's what ends up happening. And that's why, you know, it's the old saying, it's not timing the market. It's time in the market. market. Yeah. But that only applies for investing. If you're trading, it's very much timing the market because <laughs> you don't want to be you don't want to be in those things too long if you're doing a trade. But if you're investing, different story. Just as long as you know the company's good, doesn't matter when you get in, man. Like I was, I bought some of this stuff up in the two eighties. I don't care. Like you know, doesn't matter. If it yeah, crashes, it crashes. You know, yeah, if I lose my money, I lose my money. But I have I have confidence in the stuff that I own, so I'm cool through this. I told you the other day, the famous uh, Peter Lynch uh, quote, he's like, he, this might surprise you, but uh, a profitable company is really hard to go bankrupt. Like, Yeah, and I love that. It's like the simplest shit. Like people have this weird association with stock price and the actual performance of the company in terms of like their sales and revenue and shit like that. 
it doesn't like look at every time nvidia blows uh, expectations the price goes down it's like it's completely yeah. detached right now well i gotta look a little here let's look, let's take a look at amazon so look at amazon Ooh. right yeah so amazon you know we had the february the 2020 crash ripped way up here you know we went from 1700 to 3400 dollars traded sideways for like pretty much two years and then we dropped you know from 3400 all the way down to 2000 you know like the stock price got like you know it just it got hammered like you know 30 40 whatever percent it is i'm not good at math i'm a trader but you know it dropped down to whatever it dropped down to but guess what when amazon was at 3700 a share they're making just as much money as they are at twenty or $2,000 a share. They're probably making more money now because it's another couple of years down the road. It doesn't matter. The price of the stock isn't the company. Yeah. I think it was Jeff Bezos actually that said something like that in an interview, that the price of the stock isn't the company. Yeah, it's just so like obvious, but yet people don't think about that. It's like, okay, even here. Even if the company, uh, sorry, even if the 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 market, even if we go into recession, the company sales do actually go down. Like the strong ones are still going to be strong, so they're less profitable for like the next couple quarters to a year, or whatever, right? And plus, like companies aren't just going to let or just think, let themselves die. Like there's things they can do, like cut staff, cut costs, like cut overhead, whatever, right? They're just not going to lay down like, oh shit, here's the recession, we're going to die now. <laughs> like, well, if you think of it on like a very small scale, like think of yourself as an individual, like you and your household, right? So like, it's like right now, for example, you know, we all drive, like I drive a car, we, you know, you have a Tesla, so you don't really have gas price issues, but like, you know, we have, we all drive cars, we all drive to work, we all have stuff we have to do. So how, how are you as an individual going through this? And are you thinking that this is the end of your life and it's only going to get worse from here? Because that's what a business is. You are a business as a homeowner as an individual, as you know, an employee of a company, whatever you are, you're a business. You make money, you bring money in, you spend money to buy food for yourself. You know, say you're, you being the operating business, you have to keep yourself alive. So you have to go out to work to make money so that you can feed yourself, so you can put a roof over your head, so you can drive back and forth, you can get your groceries, all this kind of stuff. Like that's, like you are an operating business. So if all of a sudden, you have all these extra expenses from, you know, vehicles. Okay, let's say you're got, you know, you drive far to work. Now your gas prices have gone from two hundred dollars a month to to four or five hundred dollars a month. What are you gonna do? You're probably gonna be a little bit more cautious when you're shopping. Maybe you're gonna go out and you're gonna look, go look for sales. You know, you're not gonna buy all those clothes. You're not gonna go on any exotic trips this year. You know, you're gonna you're gonna downsize on all those extra little things you don't really need to keep the core of you, your business, which is, you know, food and shelter at the very root of it to keep that functioning efficiently and properly without, without fault. You know, you're not going to go hungry. You're going to keep eating all the same stuff you're eating. You're going to sleep in the same bed. Your business as, as a human is going to operate at the exact same level. You just don't have all this fluff around it. Same thing with businesses, right? And then once, once the gas prices go back down or you start making more money at work or whatever, guess what? All that fluff comes back into it. Same thing with a business. Business goes through a recession, goes through a hard time. Sure, their sales might drop. They might have to cut staff, whatever. If the business is strong and it's fundamentally sound, that business is still going to operate efficiently and properly and as good as it can during that time period. And then once the economy turns back around, all that fluff is going to come back into it. So why would anybody think that a business is going to be any different than the way that you operate your own life? They're the same thing. It's just you're looking at a company. You're looking at you're looking at real dollars going up and down. That's the difference is you're looking at a bank account number. You're looking at your stock account number. That number's dropping every single day and you're panicking because all you're seeing is your money dropping. You're not looking at the fact that this is happening in your own household. This is happening you know, on your own bank account because you have to spend more money on gas. Like your own, your own net worth is dropping every day because of what you have to do. The companies are dropping as well. That's why your stock portfolio is dropping. Everybody is doing the same thing to keep the core business moving and they're doing as best they can and they're doing everything they can. So if you're invested in quality companies, they're going to do everything they can to keep operating like that so that when this thing turns around, they can get right back up to where they were. So that's the way that I think. And that's why I honestly haven't literally have not batted an eye this entire time. And I've just been, you know, just buying every week like I always do. Yeah. And actually, like recessions are actually very, very healthy. There's 
like just from the the specs like these companies that don't own ip don't have anything are worth more than companies that actually produce and sell real products and services like that's when you tell this is this market's overheated with with money people don't just don't know what to do with it just throwing it around so like every once in a while you kind of need a recession to market downturn to clear up that garbage and if you look at a company uh like an nvidia or a tesla and they survive they're not only going to survive the recession but they're probably going to if they do downsize they're going to find more efficiencies maybe they didn't know before because now you're forced to look for them right so they're going to come out of recession even more efficient even more profitable margin wise and then so if you own that stock you just own you just got a better company they just upgraded for free the some of the biggest companies in the world like i think instagram and google like all those companies came out during recessions so yeah. like historically the strongest companies are are you know, invented or produced or whatever you want to call it when a company's born, you know, that that historically a lot of the best companies and most profitable companies, biggest companies in the world come out of a recession because they're born into hardship. Ascent, you know, they're they're born into a war, right? Like it's like so they become the hardest motherfuckers out there. <laughs> yeah. That's but like actually, that's a great point. Yeah. Yeah, but like, but even to the other thing you were saying, like with with recessions being good, like the real estate market is obviously a huge thing. Like here in Canada, the real estate market's been off the charts, like in Ontario over here and everything, for a long time. And you know, a lot of people I know have made you know shitloads of money. You know, like you know myself included, just on our like on our equity in our homes. But the thing is that everybody's thinking, oh, this is great, this is great. We're all making so much money. Stock market's up, real estate's up. Think about all the people that haven't bought a house yet. Think of all the people that are just working and they're trying to get into the market. Well, what's going to happen is you need those people to be able to afford this stuff to get into the market so they have money to spend, to buy investments, to push stock markets up, to push the economy up. So if all those people just get left behind, you have this weird little group of like super rich people that own a bunch of houses by themselves and they alone can't keep the economy moving. So basically you get this group of people that make a whole bunch of money and then they got to just chill for a minute while the rest of the world catches up to them at a slower pace. And then they can hop in too. And then you go for the next ride. Right. So like that's, that's kind of the other thing that we're having here. That's the issue is people are panicking, you know, of the housing market. They're saying, Oh, like, you know, interest rates or, you know, the, the mortgage rates right now are like four and a half percent over here. Um, I think there might even be higher in the States, but you know, that's really high. Like that's, you know, depending on how much your house is, you could be talking a couple thousand bucks a month more on your mortgage, just on that rate. So a lot less people are rushing in to buy homes. Homes are now starting to sell for asking or less, which is fantastic because if that holds for another, you know, two, three, four, five year period of housing market just goes sideways, that gives everybody that got left behind in the big explosion we had over the past few years, that gives them the chance to just work their day jobs and catch up to the market and get into a house before the next ride. So it brings the whole like recessions and, you know, like choppy markets, sideways markets, you got to think of those, you got to basically think of those as like, okay, if you were on, if you were on the train, you know, like you think of it as a train, you know, you hop on the train, you know, it can only hold so many people. It goes to the next town. You get there in two seconds, you get there really fast. You're not tired. You're like, oh, this is great. I can just relax now. Enjoy this time. Everybody else who got left behind has got to walk their asses to the next city. So they're all walking, they're all coming, they're all coming. And then all of a sudden they get to the next city everybody hops on the train again and now we take the next group of people up to the next level right it's the same kind of idea so you're just you're just trying to let let everybody else catch up because then without without everybody or at least most people being involved there's not enough money going around to keep things moving and there's not enough people to drive the economy which is key that's actually a big concern because the us's middle class has been um disappearing like they're most of them's becoming poor and poor, and then you got a few that's just getting richer and richer. But overall, the middle is where the economy really is, the meat of it. And then if that shrinks, then you have quite a bit of a problem. Well, that's your whole working class, right? Like all the people that 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 work in all these major businesses come from the middle class. But that's one of the big factors of an empire collapsing is the wealth gap gets too big. Yeah. So that's why, again, why recessions are good. If you have a recession, it closes that wealth gap a little, right? And then so, you got to... Yeah. Sorry, I was just going to say, even people that are super rich, they're not going to go broke. Like, I mean, if, you know, if you were like, that's the thing, like, you got to think all these people where they say, oh, the rich just got richer. It's like, well, yeah, you know, guys that guys that bought all their stock in, you know, 1985. Well, yeah, sure. They got a lot richer because like, look at this move. You know, we went we just went straight up and they've been holding their, their stocks for, you know, 30 years, 40 years. Like, yeah, obviously they got way richer because they already had so much money in the market. And they probably bought the shares when they were $100. So, you know, 
a move like this where it goes from, you know, 1700 to 3400 it's like, oh, wow, that's a 100% move. The guys that bought the thing 40 years ago, that's like a like a 5000% move, right? Like, <laughs> so that's why the rich get richer, but you can be that person. You're just starting today. I think, oh, I think that was an hour, but... Um, but... All right. Uh, but I think like the, that's a, that's a problem like with generalizing, right? When you say rich get richer, it's like can you should really ask yourself how they got richer? Were they doing productive things, useful things, like intelligent things, like being patient and timing the market and whatnot, right? Yeah, go hit on the trust fund babies, sure. But those are actually very few. You look at a lot of the rich people; they're actually were poor at some point, and they worked really hard out of necessity and created something useful that people wanted, and they got rich. Shocker. Like, yeah. You it's know? like Elon Musk, like everybody gives him so much shit. Like anyway, you know, Jeff Bezos, like, you know, take your pick, any any super rich guy. And, you know, everybody shits on him, like, oh, he should he should be giving his money to this, or why doesn't he do that? Or like, he's such an asshole, this and that, you know, why doesn't he do this? I don't like that he does that. And then if you ask that person, you know, hey, like, what would, you, like, how would your life be if you didn't have any of the products they produce? Take Amazon, for example, like, okay, let's just say you had a choice between between saying, okay, Jeff Bezos can't be rich anymore. We're taking all his money away, but we're also shutting down Amazon. What are you going to say? Every person in the world is going to say, yeah, I kind of like getting my deliveries next day at $2. <laughs> you know, you know, not just that. Um, I was reading, not this quarter, but one, one of the previous last year's quarters um, of Amazon's revenue, they had 30% revenue was their fulfillment service. So they're actually um, enabling uh, entrepreneurs who want to sell through Amazon. The company yeah. I work for now started from Amazon. Now they're a multi-million dollar a year company, but they mm -hmm. started selling on Amazon. How much of an economy are they supporting? Yep. Well, it's like with anything, right? You're like even a, even a business, even a small business owner. Say you you own a small business and you have 20 employees. Well, the guy that owns the business is going to be making more money than the employees because he has all the <laughs> risk. He's got everything on the line. Like he's the one that's putting up all the all everything to make this business run. So yeah, he's going to be making more money, but you know, Every single one of those employees, guess what? They have an income now. They can buy stuff now. They can invest in the stock market now. They can buy homes. They drive the economy more than anybody else in society. And they're very, very important. And a lot of people don't realize that. Like if you hate the person because of the person, like you know, like their personality or whatever, sure. But if you want to tell me that like, you know, oh, he's just uh, like, I just don't like him because he's rich, which is 99% of people realistically. I mean, yeah, I'd love to be a billionaire too, but do I want to be Elon Musk? I mean, no. Like, if I, you know, I uh, do I want to take a bridge down to 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 put my yacht through it, like <laughs> like Jeff Bezos is doing? Like, uh, you know, probably not. You, you heard about that, right? You didn't hear about that? Oh yeah, there's like he's, he's getting his his like billion dollar yacht built in like Sweden or Norway, and there's this like old historical bridge like drawbridge or something that goes across the river. His boat is so fucking big that they have to dismantle this whole bridge so he can drive it out of the shipping yard and then they're going to rebuild it. And the funny thing though, is everybody was giving him so much crap for that because they're saying, oh, it's, you know, it's so arrogant just because he's rich, he can afford to do this and this and that. The mayor of that city basically told everyone to shut up because he's like, do you have any idea how many jobs taking apart and rebuilding this bridge is going to create and how much money it's going to bring into our economy? But people are like, oh, you know, it's, he's an ass for dismantling this bridge. Meanwhile, you're putting food on, you know, 200 families' tables for the next five years. The tendency is to just look at only the good things. Like, oh, he's the richest man in the world. Must be nice. It's like, how about 08 when both of his companies were about to die? He emptied his fucking bank account. His ex-wife took his fucking house. Elon Musk I'm talking about. And, yeah. like, he had to borrow money to, to, to survive. How about yeah, you get yeah. through that shit? Yeah. People don't see that though, because you're not. Nobody's willing to do that, right? And that's how he, he the company, the both companies survived too. Literally on Christmas Eve, before I think it was six p.m. before the offices closed, he put every he wired every dollar he had from his own bank account so they could make payroll for like the next two weeks or something like that. And that one move inspired a bunch of the original investors to put in a little bit too. They, they said, "We'll match you," and that was enough to keep the companies alive for them to make a hit. Like that fucking shit. Well, it's like. It's, it's a lot more common than you think though. Like I know a lot of business owners who have had to do that. Like even, like even businesses that are, you know, 15, 20 years old, they just get, they just get hit with really hard times and the owner's got to put their own personal money into the account. And like, yeah, I think that there's even a modern family episode. I don't know if you ever watched that show, but there's actually, there's a modern family episode where Jay, like the old guy in it, 
the the kids found out that he was like they he took them home early for some trip or something like that but they long story short they got to the bottom of it and the story was that he was working um he was working nights on weekends as a bartender because the business was going through such a hard time he wasn't making payroll so he had to go work weekends as a bartender to pay all his employees like obviously it's just a tv show but you know it's it's the same principle like it happens more than you think yeah i know um so restaurants a lot of restaurant owners and it's like for asian families your whole family i don't care what age you are you're working in the restaurant and if times are tough you're not getting paid you're just working yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah exactly right. like it's, it's just too bullshit to like look at the only the good stuff and like like if you work that hard i bet you you have exactly what they have too so like what the fuck nobody wants to them man. it's scary like there's there's such a level of risk that you have to take and so much work and you know not i'm not talking like i'm saying i'm that guy because i'm not that guy i mean like you know i'm not i'm not up to the risk taking level that guys that like musk and bezos and all those guys are i'm just not right like you know i'm pretty risk averse by nature and that's just me yeah, short I'm, seller like, yeah, no, short seller you know trading the the one second charts <laughs> exactly <laughs> that's risk averse for me no but you know like on the whole right like i don't i don't like to take big bets like the whole time the market was going wild i never ever was just like oh fuck, i'm just gonna throw a bunch of money in this because everybody's making money i never did that once because that's just not me but I mean, I, I still don't, like, I envy those guys, but by the same token, I'm confident enough in myself and what I do and how I make money and how I conduct myself that I don't need to be jealous of them. I know that I'm not that person and I'm good with the person that I am. So that's, that's, I think the big difference is people just have a lot of, like, honestly, a lot more problems with themselves than they do with anybody else. That's, that's, the, that's just kind of the narrative across the board in Canada and the U.S. right now. Like, that's why there's so much divide. Yeah, there's, um. I forgot how many, like 6 million uh, looking uh, unemployed, on unemployment and there's like 12 million jobs in the U.S. right now. It's like, what? <laughs> you know? Yeah, like, that, uh, so irritating, man. Like, <laughs> like I think the, last, the longest period of time I was ever out of work in my whole life, I think it was, I want to say I was 19, may, yeah, yeah, probably 19, maybe 20. And I was working at a golf course that summer. And it was, I was taking that semester off school. So it was the, I did the, the first year semester and then I worked through the summer at a golf course. And then I was working in the fall. And it's <laughs> funny, I literally, I went out and I got so drunk with my buddies and I was so hungover that I just woke up and I quit my job. <laughs> so you, you, I didn't like it, obviously. No, right. I, didn't, I didn't like it leading up to that to begin with, but like that was just kind of the final straw. So <laughs> So that happened and I was just like, oh, you know, this would be great. It's, you know, like September, November, whatever it was. And I was like, yeah, I'll just take some time off, relax. You know, this is going to be awesome. I've been in school my whole life and working and blah, blah, blah. Three weeks. I lasted three weeks. By the end of that third week, I was literally like begging my dad to find work for me at his company. I was like, you have to get me in there. I was like, I will pay me whatever you want. I was like, just take me in there. I need to do like, I need to go to work. That was the longest I ever took off was three weeks, and that was you know ten years ago. Yeah, it's attitude, man. I I did a shoot last weekend. It was for my um, buddy's wife. Uh, she just opened up like a nail salon and whatnot. So here's the funny thing: he he's a high school friend of mine. Um, when they got married, half his friends left him because they're like, she's a gold digger because she's from Vietnam, and they did the whole um, what's it called, like the immigration thing, right? Hmm. So then they're like, she's a gold digger, whatever, whatever. While she was here. She was like you. She was bored out of her mind. She asked, um, because they're they're her her his father owns some kind of like a transport company or moving company, whatever. She asked to get a job there to move cars around to get paid like whatever, because she just needed something to do. And now yeah. she's running her own business. Like it's just attitude. Yeah, I love it though, man. I love being around people like that. And that's what bothers me. I'm like when people look at Elon Musk, they're just it's either pure indifference or jealousy. And I'm like, how are you not inspired by this dude? If he's one human being and you look at what he's been able to accomplish, holy fuck, you can think, what can you accomplish? It is insane when you think about it. He's just one, <laughs> one human being. He's like hundreds of billions of dollars in such a short time period. That's insane. He was uh, saying in an interview, he was like, um, he's at the point right now where he has to count the minutes he, he spends on problems because every minute's worth a gold <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> imagine if you go to like a company meeting with him. He walks in the room. It's like, all right, every minute I'm here is one point three million dollars. So yeah. make it quick. Just like, oh my god, <laughs> no pressure. That's actually why he doesn't do meetings. He hates meetings. 
Oh yeah, I hate meetings too. It's such a waste of time, but whatever. Everything can be sent over an email. <laughs> so my new job, we have five fucking communications apps. Apparently one doesn't isn't enough. I have five of them. I'm using <laughs> Slack, fucking Zoho, like a whole bunch of them. It's just like my, my laptop's going off all day and I don't know which one made the noise and it fucking pisses me off because I'm not gonna look it through <laughs> all my windows. Uh, it's like my phone. I've honestly been debating on deleting like all my social media apps except for Twitter and Instagram lately. Yeah, I'm pretty, close I'm pretty much down to almost nothing. I mean, yeah, fuck, I own Facebook, but I'm pretty close to deleting my Facebook just because I never use it. <laughs> no. Yeah, but anyway, you're probably wrapping up. This is a good up. one. This is a good one. Yeah. yeah, there's a lot of good stuff in there, guys. You know, pay attention. It's, just don't be scared. That's I think that's kind of the theme of this episode is just don't be scared. Remember, you own a real business. You don't own a number on a screen. Oh, really quickly. I was talking with Brandon. Uh, we might, he might want to come back like either as a guest sometimes oh, yeah, or sure. I, I actually had a good idea. You know how we were doing for a period where we were kind of like doing like a TikTok where it's like one episode would do trading, one episode would do investing. Yeah. I threw the idea at him that we could do the trading one and me and him could do the investing one. We'd all film the same day, like 30 minute period, whatever. And then that way we'll have content, you know? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so that'll be cool. Yeah. yeah. Sweet. All right, guys. All right. See you next week.